Hello, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. All right, so today I'm talking to Nancy Rommelman. Um, if you've been here with me for a while, you've heard me talk to Nancy before. We've done a couple of episodes. Um, she is the author of the book To the Bridge and is now most famous for being intrepid citizen journalist who went to Portland. So, hi, Nancy. Hey, Jen. How you doing? Good. Um, I think where I want to start with this is for people to understand what is going on in Portland right now. I think it's kind of important to go a little bit into the Wayback Machine and kind of explain how we got here, because Portland is kind of a special situation. It's not like a lot of other cities where this is something that's kind of cropped up in the wake of George Floyd's death, or this is something in Portland that goes a little further back and a little deeper than that. So kind of explain to people what exactly has gone on in the past in Portland that's kind of led up to where we're at right now. Sure. Um, I think uh, for Trump to have the executive order to send troops in Portland was sort of the perfect um, test city for that because Portland is a is a progressive city. It's a marching city. Uh, and it's also a city that's had a pretty adversarial relationship with its police department for going on. This is about its fourth mayor that um, so past 12 years, past 14 years, where the police are pretty much at loggerheads with the city council and with um, with the mayor's office. And how that manifests, it manifests in different ways, but um, one that I remember pretty well is that when, uh, you know, after Trump was elected, and let's just be frank, you know, Portland is a very blue city. It's a blue dot in the, in the red ocean that is Oregon. And um, they were just absolutely flabbergasted that that Trump was elected and they started marching and marching and marching and marching and marching and every day there was a different march it's a real it's a real marching city and then when um, immigrants um, started being beset upon by ice agents uh, uh, the citizens of Portland sort of um, went and surrounded ice headquarters there and the police were told not to arrest them so I'm sure there have been some sort of you know hands-off, citizen protester issues before, but that sort of uh, solidified it. And then the definition, I believe, of what a protester was uh, just kind of got more and more elastic. So then we're, we're going to kind of um, move up to, well, let's talk a little bit, too, about what Portland's been looking like lately. I don't live in Portland anymore, but I did. I lived there for 15 years, moved back to New York City where I'm from uh, last summer. Um, and I was back in early January. This is pre-COVID. And I was walking around in downtown Portland, which is, you know, it's Broadway. It's pretty bustling. You've got the big department stores there. And I noticed in January that about, I'd say, between a quarter and a third of the businesses were boarded up. And I thought, huh, that's kind of funny. Like, what's going on here? Is it the case maybe that, you know, the real estate dreams kind of busted a little bit and people couldn't afford the new inflated rents? Uh, who knows? Well, okay, then COVID hit. And you had, like most other cities, businesses were both forced to close and then closed for good because they, they just couldn't make it anymore. And you have to remember, Portland for the main is a city that runs out small businesses. You, you do have some big companies there. You have Nike, you have Intel, but mostly it is middle class, solid, small businesses. Okay, so now you've got a lot of people out of work, you, a lot of young people out of work. Remember, Portland's a pretty young city, aggressive city. Uh, and they 
are locked in their houses. And then George Floyd is killed by the police. And Portland is absolutely incensed and heartbroken and they take to the streets. Um, and they march uh, as they do, that's what they do. Um, and I guess it was the second or third night of the marches, it got very heated. This was March 29th. They wound up downtown in front of Justice Center. Justice Center is a big, big building where they have uh, one of the cop shops, they've got a jail, they've got sort of the bureaucratic stuff of the police. And um, uh, citizens, uh, protesters, demonstrators, whatever, rioters, whatever you want to call them, um, they started to attack the building. Uh, and this included not just the usual graffiti and throwing things, but they actually smashed in all the windows. And they started throwing around all the office furniture and they set a fire. Now, it wasn't a fire that was so bad that it was going to burn down the building, but it was a fire in the building and outside the building. Meanwhile, you have people inside the building, both people that work for the police and people that don't, and, and people can go. So when you said citizen journalist at the opening, I, I am a journalist. I was writing uh, all last week for Reason Magazine. People can go there and, and see these stories. And one of the stories I wrote was about a woman who was working there at Justice Center who was downstairs. And, you know, there's a fire on top of her and she can hear stuff being thrown around. And this is, you know, this is pretty terrifying. Um, so then the police kind of came in and, and settled that down and didn't cover themselves in glory and things got kind of heated and there was a lot of looting. Uh, a lot of businesses in the area were, you know, their windows were smashed. So now their windows are boarded up, which, you know, goes along with other businesses that are closed because of COVID. Um, and they just kept marching and they just kept taking out their anger at the murder of George Floyd and their anger at the police in general on Justice Center and at the big building, which is directly next door, though it's separated by a street, which is the um, Marco Hatfield United States Courthouse, which is the federal building. And uh, the police were not getting this under control. And then Trump being Trump, he decided, I, I don't know the exact date, it was at the beginning of July, to sign an executive order saying the feds were going to come to Portland and they were going to, you know, get a hold of the situation and protect United States property from which, from my understanding, is, you know, within their rights to do, maybe even their obligation. Um, however, uh, the forces that were called in, there were a bunch of different forces. And I, my understanding is some of them really didn't identify themselves very well. When they started to make some arrests, I, I have not dug deeply into each of those arrests, and I'm not really sure anyone has either without some sort of bias. So now I'm going to catch us up to speed. One of the reasons I went to Portland, which was about um, 10, day, 10 days ago now, is because I had a lot of people say to me, Nancy, I don't know what the heck is going on in Portland. Um, I don't trust what I'm hearing from you know either side, in quotes, um, there were only, you know, protesters peaceful and protesters anarchists, and there was nothing in the middle. So I went out there for Reason Magazine, and I wrote five stories, sort of trying to give people a um, wider lens with which to um, view the protesters and to view what was going on with the buildings and to view what was going on in the city. So. Which you did a very good job of, by the way. Thank you. But Thank something, you. I, something I do kind of want to point out, it's like Portland specific. And I think people don't really understand this is that 
you've referred to this as a show and in a lot of ways it is like it's it's very serious but in some ways it's really not and there's already that culture in Portland of like protest culture I call it so it seems like this has been like you said like a perfect storm of where you already have this one city that's already protesting this one thing and has been for years at this point because I mean Portland PD is no real prize either I mean they've had their issues yes but now it's just like this thing where it's this combination of like people have nothing to do. People are used to protesting. Therefore, people are going to go to the protest. That's right. Um, which, you know, as a, as a when I was leaving Portland, something I noticed and, uh, was that the protests were certainly not getting any smaller. Um, and you, you really do have a large contingent of people that are fairly peaceful if to my mind, obnoxious, um, really shouting slurs at the the mayor and just in general, very you know hateful things. You know, all all cops must die. That kind of stuff, which I I don't find to be particularly productive to leading the conversation someplace. But okay, it's not what I do. Um, but you do have a lot of people. They go down. They want to see the speakers, the Black Lives Matter. They want to hear different representatives uh, from the community. And they stay pretty late. And then what I had been calling the 200 are, you know, sort of the ruffians or the hooligans or, you know, some people categorize them as Antifa or Black Bloc or just people that want to fuck shit up. Um, They would stay and they would start, um, you know, trying to bang down or set fires to to um, to uh, the United States courthouse. Um, It was pretty performative, it seemed to me. Uh, but you know, it's interesting. You say, you know, people are out there marching to be part of the show. I think that, yes, there's that part of it. And the show, you know, was growing when I got there, uh, as I was leaving, you had a lot more people out there. The 200 had grown to about 2000. There was this very, very high tech laser light show. Um, you know, I can, I, I, there, I put video of it up on, um, on Twitter, um, showing the names of black people that had been murdered and, and cop figurine the cops as little piggies with their eyes X'd out. Um, and there was, you know, there were vendors and there was music and there were people donating stuff. And when I mean stuff, I sort of mean like creative ideas. You could feel that people wanted to be part of what they thought was maybe at the beginning considered hooliganism or violence, but now was kind of morphing into, you know, in quotes, the good fight. But to get back to what you said, like they want to be part of the show, I think that many people in Portland really do believe that they are fighting on the side of right. Um, They're fighting for, you know, certain equalities and equities and against police brutality and for, you know, for Black Lives Matter or, or, or whatever it is that they're going to pick and be out that for, there for. So if I look at it and say, guys, this just looks like a big, a lot of, you know, smashing of stuff, they're going to be able to come back and tell me no. Uh, tell me we have these beliefs and we want to um, actuate them. And I'm, I'm good with people doing that. What I did not see from the more violent side of the protests, the, the, the ones that were growing and the ones that people, again, were putting their sort of creative energies into, is anything being built. It was all stuff just being smashed. Um, it seemed uh, 
uh, juvenile to me, if real. I mean, you know, juveniles can commit real violence. <laughs> um, and uh, my question to people, which is sort of always my question when I when I see people who have a real appetite to tear things down, it's like, okay, um, as I as I said on a show the other day, like it's easy to do demo. You know, like we can come and demo my kitchen right now, right? And 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 have it, you know, just bring it down to nothing. But it's harder to build. And what I I have not gotten a good grasp on or yet, or if it even exists, is what are they trying to build? What do they want? Um, and that's a question I have not seen satisfactorily answered. Yeah, and that is a good point. And I want to I want to clarify, like when I call it the show, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I mean, all protests are performative in a certain way, because that's the point of a protest. It's performative. Right. You're you're out there. You're not like just in your house kind of thinking about it in your head. You're going somewhere and showing your support for something. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But to your point, especially the people who are like trying to get into the courthouse, or at least I assume they're trying to get into the courthouse, I'm a little... I, I'm I'm not understanding what exactly they're trying to do. And like you said, I don't know what the end game is here. Like, okay, if you got into the courthouse, like, okay, then what? Like, okay, like, I, well, I, it seems like destruction for the sake of destruction. And I'm like, well, that's not really doing anything. Like, I'm confused. Well, it's, it's, in, it's so uh, the first night I was there. Um, so, let, I mean, we should be clear. Um, the protesters uh, are out there. Um, and they are trying to provoke a response from the feds. I mean, I know they're shouting. I mean, this was sort of hilarious. They are literally smacking the building with, you know, fire extinguishers and skateboards and tearing down the fence, and they're literally shouting, peaceful protest. I'm like, well, you know, you can say it all you want, but it doesn't make it so. Um, they wanted to, you know, they're saying they want the feds out, okay? Um, they were provoking a response from the feds who uh, I, I've given some hell about this online. Um, the feds, it takes about two to three hours before the feds will respond um, to the fires and the throwing of things and the lasers and the eyeballs and all this stuff. They give about, you know, a hundred warnings, get away from the building, doing all this. And finally they start throwing some tear gas. Now I was giving, giving a bit of a hard time about this online saying, but they're not supposed to be there. They're illegally there and blah, blah, blah. Better to like burn down a hundred courthouses than harm one protester. And I'm like, well, I hear you. And I know that that is your position, both, you know, philosophically and politically, but you know, they feel that they're there to do a job and that's the that's how they operate I, I mean you know they don't come out and bring you a apple pie um and i think it would have been great if they would have i would have loved to have seen what the protesters would have done meanwhile what happens is you know there's a lot of banging around there's some retaliation the 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 protesters are getting much more uh pretty fearless um you know they get tear gas they wipe off and they run back i did the same thing but i was not obviously uh, demonstrating against anybody. I was just walking people. Um, so they want a response and then they get the response and then it like, it just, it felt like Groundhog's Day, but what well, sorry, I'm a long way of saying the first night I was there, there was a young woman in front of me and this is in my first piece that I did for reason. She was a tiny little thing and she turned to her friend and she said, what are we, well, what are we going to do if we get in? I mean, 
And I said to her, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think that the point really is to get in. I think the point is to sort of make a stand and say you're here and, you know, mess stuff up. And she said, I think you're right. And she looked really relieved. Like, this girl did not want to have to run into the courthouse in the dark with feds, with guns. That was, that was not what she wanted. Um, and she, she herself was not, was not violent at all, but she was, she was there sort of, you know, I guess, you know, being supportive and seeing what was going to happen. Um, so what's going to happen tonight, Jen? They're supposed to be pulling out tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Allegedly. I have been asked if, uh, if I thought that the protests were going to continue against the building if there were no federal forces inside. Um, my gut says no. Um, I mean, uh, uh, yes, a build, the building is symbolic, um, but a brick is inert, you know, a doorway is inert, and it's not going to respond back to you except by maybe, you know, giving you a little uh, trouble and trying to rip it down. Um, they can't actually rip down the building unless they go full anarchists and, you know, you know, start driving car bombs in there, which I don't, I don't see happening. However, however, had this gone on, or if it does go on, um, I don't know how much rowdier and violent it could get without actually taking a real step up. Um, for people that are interested, there's a, there's a website called Bellingcat, and there's a guy that's been reporting there doing some really good reporting named Robert Evans. And I can't remember where he said he was stationed as a journalist, um, but it was somewhere in the Middle East. And he said, um, obviously, you know, they're not all brandishing weapons at each other. Well, the, 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 um, the protesters aren't as far as I've seen. I mean, they did have, you know, um, chainsaws and that kind of stuff, electric chainsaws. But he's like, it's as, it's as almost as close to real mortal violence as, as, as he's seen. Um, like that would be the next step. And I, I happened to be down there last Saturday night um, and a car drove up it, it through this utter mayhem and opened its trunk. And I was like, uh, uh, like, what is this? Like, what's the like? All it takes is like one opportunist, right? Who wants to, um, I don't know, make a name or in quotes, prove a point. Um, so I am obviously super glad that the feds are leaving. And I think it's the right decision on a, on a number of levels. And I also think, frankly, I think it's really the only choice that they had um, without this stuff just escalating forever. And, and who wants that? Hopefully nobody, especially, and I'm also thinking about this in the way of I, whether these protests will continue at the courthouse in the absence of federal presence. I would be inclined to say no to at least not in the the amount of people because first off it grew because of the feds like it's Correct. people that didn't really care about what was going on at Justice Center or initially what was going on at the courthouse once it became known that the federal presence was there then people were protesting that not necessarily black lives matter or police brutality or anything there was a, a whole another reason to show up to protest to protest the feds you are absolutely correct about that. Uh, when I hit the ground, I, everybody said to me, yeah, Nancy, the protests, you know, after George Floyd were killed were, were, were very well attended, but it was sort of dying down. I mean, people, you know, these, you know, you march for a month, you march for five weeks, things die down. But as soon as the feds came back, 
it ramped up. And you're absolutely correct about um, it now being about something else. And even though you do have Black Lives Matter activists and people, um, even the kind of hooligans shouting Black Lives Matter, it's it's become very confused. Um, and I don't I don't think that's the reason. I mean, I, I, I'm really quite sure, actually, that that's not the reason why they're attacking the building. They're attacking the building from uh, Trump antipathy and a feeling of um, of, of just rage um, that this is this is happening in their city. So. But, you know, here's a question. So we're both are, we're both glad that this is not going to escalate. I definitely am. Um, but for some people there, it really has given not just for the show aspect, like, you know, there's there's no movies, there's no bars, there's nothing to do in Portland right now because COVID is on the rise. It was a place you could go and it was free and you could feel like you were part of some sort of movement or solution. But I'm sure there are people that would want to keep engaging because it, it gave them um, – I don't know, a sense of identity um, to to be there. Plus, like, hey, people like to punk rock and fuck shit up. I mean, there are people that like doing this, you know? Um, I don't know what they're going to do with themselves now, actually. That that's that will be interesting. What, where are they going to take this sort of coalescing um, rage? I don't know. Do you think it'll move to like another place or do you think it'll just stay concentrated like around the courthouse? And I ask because I, I keep thinking back to like the fence that was around the courthouse. And once they stopped doing this like Sisyphean task of putting the fence back up again every night. And then one day they went there and the fence wasn't up. And then everyone was like, oh, well, shit. Well, now what do we do? It was hilarious. They did, they literally did not know what to do with themselves. They were like, I, uh, what? what? And so people were just like skateboarding some girl was twerking they were just like running around like they need that they need an enemy to fight against right and the 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 fence was sort of uh was you know the the symbolic of the enemy and they could shake it and they could grab it and they could do this and then yeah then the fence were like all right you know what we're not gonna put it up tonight um but then they just attacked the building and then the the next night the fence was back so yeah uh where will they go jen um well, I hope they don't just take it to the streets because Portland really does not need another black eye, man, at all. Um, Justice Center is next door. Justice Center, um, the buildings I have reported in past years uh, for my book, um, which was about a murder, uh, from both of those buildings, I, in fact, did not recognize. I, I went the first day I was there, I drove up to um, the courthouse and I was like, wait, am I, am I at the wrong block? Is it the next block? No, it's just that they are, they've been so completely defaced. Um, and by that, I mean, their faces are completely different. They do not look like the same buildings. Justice Center, um, from that first night when they, they broke in and, and threw stuff around, the entire first floor is gutted. Um, and they've moved their employees to another, uh, a, different, um, a different jail in Portland. Um, you know, it's interesting because the, you know, more peaceful kinds of the protests have been taking place in front of Justice Center. Um, are they going to keep marching? I don't know if the feds are out. Are they going to keep having Black Lives Matters marches? I do not know. Are they, are people going to be cool with the more, you know, demonstrative, violent aspect of the protesters now taking over Justice Center again? I don't know. Um, I don't, I think it's an interesting question and a, and a slightly disturbing or infuriating question 
to contemplate how much sort of sympathy and support um, the more demonstrative uh, the more demonstrative demonstrators um, have gotten from uh, from the general public um, because uh, because it was anti-trump and anti-feds. Uh, that's a little that's a little uh, discomforting to me. It's like, all right, so now if they start, you know, any place that they choose to do this, are they going to find support or are people going to like wake up and say, hey, maybe this is not maybe this is not the way to get things done. I, I guess that really depends on what people are trying to get done. I think it's interesting to look at who is and is not supporting this because one of the reasons I've put forth that this all started in Portland as far as actually sending in a federal presence is because it's Portland and people think that, well, it's it's Portland, who cares? It's full of dirty, smelly Antifa hippies. Like, who gives a fuck what the feds do there? But then it's spreading out to other cities. So I'm... My hope would be that those on the ground who are performing in a little more violent fashion understand the deal that is being struck right now between the state of Oregon and the feds and know that part of the deal to keep the feds out is for you to not act like a flaming fucking idiot. Otherwise, they will come back in. They've made that pretty clear, but and you know what, Jen? There is, you know, there it was. I think that real, you know, hippie element, Bill Walton smoking all the pot kind of uh, thing, and you know, just you know, sort of you know, crunchy feely northwesty stuff. But Portland in the main is not really that. Um, I mean, maybe out where they grow a lot of pot in other parts of Oregon, um, but Portland in the main is sort of middle class super liberal, super liberal, um, very um, pro-social justice, um, little sanctimonious, um, a little bit, uh, I don't know, Portlanders often struck me um, as having a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulders. Um, I don't know why. Uh, and I mean, not all, oh my God, I know great, wonderful, creative, interesting people there. But sort of in the main, it was like, um, you know, don't say anything bad about anybody, but then, you know, they're under their breath, they're, they're, they're saying something bad. I think they want to be known in the main as being on the side of social justice. And that um, can mean anything from, you know, wall of moms to making sure that you've got your um your black lives matter um uh sign in your yard to being uh quite possibly electing um the first pro antifa or openly pro antifa mayor of a major city at least that i know of um a woman named um sarah ianaroni um, she, you can go on Twitter and, and you can, you can see her saying that she is pro Antifa. Um, I sometimes wonder what the definition, I actually do wonder what the definition of that is. Um, I talked to, uh, actually a good friend of mine in Portland. He's like, well, you know, Nancy, um, it used to be a little more, it's not, it's not anarchistic, which is what you were thinking it is. It's people that really believe that they want to help other people. And if they have to use violence in order to protect other people, then that is, you know, an option that they take. And I said, okay, 
um, I, I hear you. I said, but if that is sort of your, if not your lead mandates, then one of your mandates, doesn't that potentially influence who you see as who as needing help and who you see as deserving of violence? And that's my, my experience is that, um, uh, with Antifa as much as I know it, and it really hasn't been much. And I'm like, are these Antifa? Are these black block? I mean, are these LARPers? You, you don't really know. But um, when I've been around them um, for other reporting other stories or this stories, they're happy to um, try to intimidate you physically. I mean, I've had, you know, people kind of lunge at me or, you know, smack their bat at me or just try to like get super up in my face. I'm like, hi, I'm a lady with a pad. Um, <laughs> You know, um, or come yelling in my face, you know, photography is death, photography is violence. I'm like, oh, guys, please grow up. Like, please, like, you want to have a conversation with me? I'm going to do it. But just, just like, have a clue. Um, anyway, uh, I was all set to, uh, I'm just going to tell this story right here. I was all set to interview Sarah Iannaroni. I had it set up. And um, I don't know what happened, but I sat there by myself on the Google uh, meeting uh, and after they set it up for me very quickly, they, they just, um, they just dipped. They never, they never showed up. And I don't know why. Um, I don't know if she thought I would be, I mean, I was just interested to hear why she, she thought this was going to be a good path for Portland. Um, but I, I guess she didn't want to give me that interview. So that's rude. Well, you know, here's what I think, Jen, it, it is rude. Um, but you know, things happen. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I was in touch with, two of her, her, um, her campaign people. And I was like, you know, just literally send an email. Cause of course I called and texted and emailed after it didn't happen. And I was like, look guys, just like, it's so immature. Just send an email saying, Oh, we found out we hate you. Or I'm so sorry. You know, we, we spaced, let's redo it. But there was just no, no, there was no, um, communication at all. And I thought, wow, is that the sort of, um, responsible behavior you want in your next mayor? Like they set up a meeting and then they just don't show up and never say anything about it? Well, I've got a, I've got a question. Sure. How old is she? Oh, I don't know, in her 40s maybe? She's a mother, oh. um, so I don't know. I, I don't really know, but you know, she's not, she's not 22. And even then, I'm sorry, you're, you know, you're, you're running for public office. You have a, you have a staff. So anyway, I don't, I'm not going to beat that dead horse, but I thought it was, uh, you know, indicative of like, I don't know, not really wanting to have a conversation, which is, you know, sort of problematic uh, in a lot of areas. You know, when I, I would go up and ask certain people why they were doing it and they would just sort of, you know, sloganeer at me. It's like, OK, guys, like, can you can you do something besides chant a slogan? Like, can you tell me your ideas? I don't know if they have any to tell, which is kind of disconcerting in and of itself. You know, this could be my fault, though, Jen, because I have to say I, I didn't I spent more of my time because I was there sort of reporting on what was happening at the courthouse. I spent more of my time there than, you know, sort of wandering through um, with other protesters. Um, so this could be this could be my failing. And I, I could have, you know, interviewed people that that could have explained things better um then then I then I then I got on paper and if that is my failing I, I apologize for that well on the topic of people who were showing up to these protests yeah. um, I know you did a piece on it and 
it seems to kind of square with what I've experienced here in Atlanta and what seems to happen in a lot of other cities where if you go during the day, it's actually kind of a pretty chill, cool environment. Like when I went, I went during the day. And aside from the fact that there was National Guard everywhere, which is not super pleasant to see in a public space. I mean, it was just people chanting. They had signs or people honking and waving as they were going down the road. Eventually, there was somebody handing out, like, snacks and water, and then there was another dude, like, picking up litter. And I'm like, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that there's a whole bunch of National Guards standing right behind me with riot shields, this would actually be kind of a cool situation. But then in the evening time, that's when things tend to turn violent. So I've always been somebody who's pointed out that there is very much a difference between people who go to these things to peacefully protest, to chant to hold up their signs to march to do whatever and then people that show up to be violent and it seems like in the beginning everybody was able to make that distinction but now it seems like everything's kind of collapsing in on each other and it's either people wanting to be like everybody is either one thing or the other and it's not acknowledging the fact that there are kind of two different protests going on in the same day at the same time for sure um and in Portland, it was separated literally by geography, like some people over here to the right, other ups on the left, um, and by timing, again. But, I, you know, something interesting. So, yes, I did do that one piece where I went in the morning, at five in the morning, to see quarter, who was hanging around and who was cleaning up. But one of the reasons I did this, and this, this, may, be, this may tie in to what my friend was saying about... Um, Antifa, I don't, I don't really know because I didn't ask who these people were affiliated with, if anything. But when I was there, um, I was there a couple of nights really late and got tear gassed. Um, and both times, and especially the second time when it was really bad, I mean, it, we were all, people were just vomiting in the street. Um, I was approached by so many people. Here, here, can I help you? Can I help you? Here, here are some goggles. Here's some wipes. Can I rinse out your eyes? Can I get you something to drink? And it was mostly young women. Um, they were all were pretty much dressed in black, so it looked a little bit uniformy, which is why I'm saying maybe it was Antifa-related, the want-to-help people, according to my friend's definition. Um, they were very organized. It was like a it was like an ant colony where everybody knew what they were supposed to do. Uh, I noticed that um, on the front lines, it was young men and women, um, probably more young men being violent, but definitely, definitely uh, young women down there, too, um, like starting physical shit. And then the like helpers. And I think actually they might actually be called helpers um, were young women. And they were making sure that as you sort of staggered your way away from the park, whether you'd been hit by pepper bullets or, or, or tear gas, were there to sort of minister. That I found, um, that was organized, Jen. That was definitely not arbitrary. That was not just like some nice lady coming down with bottles of water. That was organized. So when you're saying these things sort of get, um, they dilute into two separate things and there are two separate protests, well, probably at least two, probably more. Um, but the organization and then the sort of growing synthesis amongst the, um, what was happening in front of the courthouse made me think that people really thought that they could contribute um, 
obviously uh, the violence is not a good thing <laughs> from my perspective, um, but they could be a support system. Um, and that, and that was sort of interesting. And that's one of the reasons I went the following morning because I wanted to see if those young women were still out there picking up garbage, right? Like, oh, are you, is this part of your job too? But it turned out to be other volunteers that were out there um, um, cleaning up. But apparently now that's pretty much all gone, including the riot ribs, which got like this tremendous amount of press. Um, they were there grilling ribs, feeding people. They collected something like 300000 thousand dollars in donations don't that that's a number i was told i do not i have not researched that so please don't at me i don't know if that's the right thing but i do know that a uh, couple days they pulled up stakes and they're out and like literally you know in the dead of night almost and they say that they're going to be giving back all the donations that they got but uh you know burn hot burn fast that seems to be something I, I wasn't going to bring this up until later, but since we're already here and talking about people profiting off the situation, um, you had mentioned that you saw some vendors out there trying to sell some wildly overpriced t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but it's like at the concert, right? Yeah. How much pay? That t-shirt, $75, man, that Tom Petty t-shirt. So I paid $50 for this, but I bought it at the Portland riots. Right. I, I could have gotten on eBay for $7, but yeah. Well, I got to say, I didn't see anybody buying anything from that guy, but okay. I mean, hey, you know, he has a teaching. That's what he does. He has a business selling uh, screen print t-shirts. So he just, you know, he decided, hey, I'm going to go down there and have he, he, his place is about 10 blocks away. He was going to have another um, nightly, uh, nightly stand. So and also kind of what's happening with the wall of moms, which the, the the whole wall situation, we got walls of moms and walls of dads and walls of vets. And now we've got leaf blowers and counter leaf blowers. But apparently the, the wall of moms situation is turning into your typical Portland clusterfuck because somebody decided to try to make it a nonprofit and then other people got mad and then there wasn't enough black people. And it's just like, oh, my God. Well, so let's, I mean, I, I, I could, again, my numbers could be wrong. Someone told me that the Portland population is 6% black. I, I would say that sounds probably about right, though the neighborhood I lived in was pretty black. So I'm kind of like, is it really? Because my neighborhood's kind of black. But anyway, um, so when I got there, uh, the Wall of Moms had had its, I believe it had its first night the night before. And this is what I was told. But I was told this by someone who's pretty pretty actively anti-Antifa. So I was like, well, okay, got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, that there were a bunch of women out there protesting, you know, being maybe sort of violent. It's like, well, you, we could be moms. And they sort of, you know, some real moms and some that really weren't moms sort of fought, formed the first wall. I think it was 14 people. Um, and it got a little bit of attention. Not a ton, but a little bit. Walla, hashtag Walla Moms. I was then there the second or third night, and there was a, there were a lot of moms. There were you know dozens and dozens of moms, and they were in yellow. And I tried to talk to some of them, but everybody wanted to talk to the Wall of Moms. Oh, hi, I'm from NBC, and she goes off here. So I asked a dad who was one of his wife was one. I was like, well, is this like an organic thing? Was this like a Facebook group that grew? He's like, I think she heard about it on Reddit. So. That literally, Jen, I mean, you want to talk about how fast this cycle is. I got to Portland on Sunday the 19th 
I think that's the, the wall of moms was either the 18th or the 19th, the first one. I saw them on the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd, 23rd. I saw them this past Saturday. They imploded yesterday <laughs> because on Monday, apparently, so that's now four days ago, three days ago, someone within the wall of moms tried to register one or two or three um, 5013Cs. And other people found out about it and said, what the fuck? Now, I do, I have read that it's because there weren't, A, enough black people involved, or B, there wasn't enough, like, Black Lives Matter involvement. And, okay, I mean, I, my impression about the wall of moms is that, yes, I mean, if you look at this whole, this whole situation down at the courthouse and justice center in Toto, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter is what got us there. But then you had this sort of splintered off Fed protest. And when I was there and I have video of it, they hauled the wall of moms in to stand right in front of the wall that they were smashing down where the feds were literally right on the other side. Okay, okay, feds, you're going to like tear gas moms from five feet away. So uh, what is the wall of moms? What's its purpose? I don't know. Um, and for the, it to be brought down because there were there wasn't enough black presence or it wasn't black lives matter enough, I, I would actually say from my witnessing, yeah, it didn't actually seem like it was that pro, uh, not that it was anti-black lives matter, but it, it had another purpose, which was the sort of like fed, anti-fed involvement. Um, but like, let's just put all that to the side. How do you just... <laughs> I mean, that takes some balls to just say, oh, hey, I'm going to just form this 501c3 and I'm not going to really tell anybody that I'm doing it. I mean, I can understand why people thought, what is going on here? Um, so anyway, apparently, I don't know if it's going to exist anymore, but um, that that kind of. Uh, so that was like eight days, nine days that took for that to um, to rise and fall. I mean, geez, at least the Women's March got a little longer than that. <laughs> yeah, till it got busted. So, <laughs> but moving on to kind of the reason why you went to Portland in the first place, and that is just the lack of decent reporting on this, and the reporting that is taking place is being spun by whoever is putting it out there to make this protest be the thing that they want it to be versus the thing that it actually is. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, it's, it's, it's one of two things, right? It's peaceful protesters beset by horrible fed goons, or it's anarchists burning down the city of Portland. Uh, only Trump and his forces can save the city. Okay. Neither of those are true. Okay. Uh, the city is not on fire. Uh, the, the, the nightly events take place, um, in this one area, a, a, a couple other places. They, they've been uh, pretty aggressive to a, um, a police station in North Portland, um, that they, they go, uh, and they, and then, then you have the city council, uh, and the citizens of Portland who very much want to defund the police, which is something that they're going to have to, you know, figure out on their own. But in terms of the city going up in flames and a bunch of anarchist hippies, that's just, garbage so okay whoever is you know spreading that that is not true is there violence at the courthouse yes there is 
are the protesters or have the protesters been trying to uh, provoke the feds into into getting response and then getting that response? Yes, that's true. Is it the case? Let's move over a little bit now toward the middle. Is it the case that um, there's been some overreach on the on the part of these uh, forces? Yes. Now, I do not have the answers to uh, how, you know, these snatch and grabs that they were calling them, like grabbing people from the street and putting them in unmarked vans and then not reading them the rights and then releasing them without telling them why they were taken. I don't have all the details on that. I can tell you it has not been widespread. I can tell you there has been no one kidnapped. You know, we are not in Argentina. People are not being, you know, dropped out of airplanes over the Pacific Ocean. Has, you know, has the rollout of all of this been maybe done badly? Well, hello, it's the Trump administration. That's how they do things, okay? They don't roll things out well. It's it's also performative. Um, but, I, you know, these people went in and they, they had a job to do and they tried to do it and probably did it well and badly, just like we all do things well and badly. On the other side, uh, people that want to just say we're super peaceful, it's all about peace and, and, and we have to just understand this. And yes, oh yes, you know, it can get a little out of hand, but you have to understand passions run high or that Nicholas Kristof piece yesterday in the Times, you know, it's like, oh, I found this thing. Oh, no, it actually wasn't that. It was a nice person. Oh, I saw this person. Oh, no, it was it's like. And he did admit toward the, you know, the, sorry, if I, people don't know this, this is a columnist for the Times who's originally from Oregon, or maybe even the Portland area, and he's, you know, reported from that area, and he's, you know, uh, I think he's a pretty sound guy. I've liked a lot of the stuff that he's written, and I can't say that everything he's written in his editorial, his, his opinion pieces about Portland has been wrong. He did say yesterday, yes, there has been some violence, but, you know, you have to call it what it is. I mean, I, I... I saw it. I stood there. These people are not peaceful protesters. I don't care if they're shouting peaceful protests. I don't care if you say, well, you have to understand they're, they're hot under the collar. Okay, but they're committing violence. And as I put up in a video, it's like, if that was your mom's house and you saw people shooting high-powered fireworks and laser beams meant to blind her and they were smacking on it with fire extinguishers, would you say, cool, peaceful protest. I don't think so. Um, anyway, outlets, they, they screwed on their little ideological lens, whether it was, you know, their right eye or their left eye. And that's what they reported. And that's what people see. And that is, you know, the reason I went out there, first of all, because I was also curious, but I had a lot of friends who obviously knew I had lived there and trusted me as a reporter. I'm very honored about that. Um, and said, Nancy, go, why don't you, you know, maybe you can tell us what's going on. And I did. And as I said, you know, the other night, you know what, I, you know, I did it, Jen. I brought a pad and my two eyeballs. And that's it. You can see what the stories is, is if you want to look for it. And I do. You know, I, I, I want to keep telling stories. I mean, anybody that's listening to this, you got another story for me to tell from Portland. Um, you know, I'll tell it. Um, if I, if I can, if I feel like I can tell it well and fairly. And I mean, this is something that anybody could do if they so chose to do, which kind of leads me to my next question, because I've seen a lot of citizen journalism coming out from Portland, especially over the last couple of weeks where people have started to go in and be like, okay, what's really going on here? 
but it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of coverage from like any of the major news outlets, which kind of baffles me a little bit because obviously there's a market for this. Like people want to know, like obviously your posts have been very popular. I know Michael Tracy's been out there documenting it. His stuff's been very popular, but it's almost like a media blackout on this. And it's like, it's kind of a major story. Like the federal government sent in agents into this city because of people attacking a courthouse. And it's kind of this very weird nuanced situation, but there's a lot of crazy shit going on here. And it's, it's, it is a news story. Like it's, it's kind of newsworthy. So it just, it's interesting to me that I'm getting more out of individuals than I am from news outlets. Well, I think that, you know, you know, our news outlets are getting more and more sort of stratified and um, they, they stay in their silos. They stay in their lanes. Um, I did hear, I can't remember someone at the, I was speaking with some people and, and they said, well, you know, so-and-so tried to kind of cut the Portland, um, some big journalist tried to cut the Portland story kind of down the middle, tried to see it a little more broadly and got destroyed. You know, the messages maybe I would be bringing would not be popular if I was on if I was on staff at the New York Times. I would be I would have to see it more their way. And I think that people are afraid. Obviously, we know people are afraid in this climate because whatever you say, if it's if it's not perceived to be, you know, completely squeaky clean, according to them, um, will get you destroyed super quick. Number one. Um, also, you know, if you work for, let's say you work for a conservative outlet, um, you know, they see the story one way, that's what they want you to bring. You know, you, you, they say, Nancy, I want you to go out and bring me a bear. If I come back with a, with an opossum, they're going to be like, I, you know, Nancy, I asked you to bring me a bear. Um, and if, you know, if, if the story happens to be an opossum and I'm like, guys, then they'll be like, well, yeah, but we don't want that. Our readers don't want that. Our readers want to be, they want their, their their bias is confirmed. Uh, I have zero interest in doing this. Um, I don't see how it helps anything. I think it actually is tremendously dangerous and dishonest and really fucking garbage. Sorry, did I make my point clear there? Um, so I, I, I mean, I, I love being able to walk in and talk to all the people, you know, um, I, I guess not all the people, but the people that I, I think are going to give the reader uh, a kind of um, a view of what of what's going on. I'm sure I have my own my own biases too, but I really am really that's really not why I'm there at all. Um, and the people are just so fascinating that are there that it's just so much of a better story to see all the people on the ground and and try and get them to tell you to tell you why they're there or just you know watch their body language. It's just so it's so fascinating. I think mainstream media is missing a big opportunity here. And I've talked about this in other venues too, but obviously, like I said, there is an appetite for the kind of reporting that you're doing. And to point out that all of these things are true at the same time. Yes, there are violent people who are trying to break into the courthouse, I guess. I'm not entirely sure. There are people that are being tear gassed. There are people that are either peacefully protesting, they're there observing as members of the press, they're legal observers, they're just people who want to go down and see what's going on. Like all of these things are true at the same time. It's not that you have to pick one thing or the other to be the truth. No, and I mean, isn't it more marvelous to be able to hold different 
truths in your mind at the same time. I mean, because that actually is the way the world is. I, I understand people are afraid of that because then they got to like look at some things and like, oh man, I got to figure that out too. I had it all figured out, damn it. Um, but that is the way the world was. And I mean, this is so self-evident. We've got a conflict, okay? If there's a conflict, it's like, like we're all sitting here making butter cookies and someone has a little variation on the cookies, right? There's a conflict. If there's a conflict, then clearly we've got, you know, different ideas here at play. So like, let's look at them and let's look at who's going where and who's, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it baffles me that people are just so enamored of seeing, you know, the news one way. I, I, I just, ah, it's so boring and so um, kind of anti-progress. I don't know. It just is just not, just not interesting. It's way more interesting to go out, go down there, and 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 really report um, on the on the on the facets of this thing. I agree, and I think a lot of what's going on with the media right now is kind of the mainstream media sniffing its own farts a little bit too much and thinking that people want things that they don't necessarily want. And there's starting to be this space open up kind of in the middle where you do have individuals kind of running in to fill that void. And I think that's like really cool and interesting. And I'm, I'm so happy for everybody that does it. And especially the people that have managed to like make money doing this, like that's super fucking cool. Well, they're going to, I'm sorry to say, but, you know, any mainstream media outlet that just keeps telling people, you should want it this way, you should want this, and you're, we're not going to give it to you another way because this is the proper way, they're going to work their, their way to irrelevancy, okay? Because people don't want to just be told, like, you only have to have a diet of this thing that I, I have decided. I mean, sure, I guess some people want that, but other people are like, don't patronize me. Like, I want, I want you to bring me interesting stuff that you actually worked hard on, not that fit some sort of, you know, ideolo ideology that is, is fulminating in your newsroom. And the people that are going to kind of continue to bring interesting news are the people that are going to refuse to just be, be that because their institution says, I need you to be this. It's like, well, great. I'm out. I'm dipping. I'm going to do something else and give people what they want. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, but I saw it this week. You know, people are like, Oh, and of course, yes, it's people, you know, telling me nice things. I'm, a lot of people told me I was an idiot, too. But, um, you know, people are like, thank you for something that wasn't just so black and white. I mean, people like that. Okay? They do. They like it. So. And it's, it's kind of cool that we live in a space right now where there are ways to monetize that sort of content and to be able to make money on your own outside of having to work for a news outlet and having to kind of do the things that the news outlet wants you to do. So I, I cross my fingers for everybody going into that space. Cause I think it's, I, I think there's, there's a, there, 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 it's, there. A, it's a, I think it's, it's, it's a tremendously, um, there's a tremendous opportunity, but it, it's also tremendously difficult. And I think that, you know, people really have to probably commit to it and also bring the goods. Um, I mean, we'll see. It, it is very exciting what's going on now when you when you see people like, you know, like Andrew Sullivan being able to go out and, and get however many gazillion subscribers in, you know, 14 minutes. Um, but let's see how this coalesces and um, and people just continuing to say, I want to do a story this way. And if I can find readers to do it, then fully for me, maybe I join with some other people and start building some cool shit. So that's Definitely. that. 
fingers crossed for everybody doing that. But to move it back to Portland and recent events, um, maybe the situation is coming to an end. And this is this is very interesting. I read the piece that you tweeted out, and the governor, Kate Brown, seems to have pulled a little bit of a of a back channel sort of thing here. She was slick. She was slick about it. I gotta say, so my uh, my late stepfather uh, was the caricaturist David Levine, who uh, who drew for the New York Review of Books for for forty years. And anybody that can look that up, he's just was such an incredible master, and he did tons of political cartooning. And I literally could just see him doing a caricature of you know Kate Brown and and Mike Pence as you know Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, sort of you know dancing toward the uh, dancing toward some sort of solution, which is apparently how it happened. Um, I guess like her husband and his wife were friends or something like that. And they just started talking because, and they just came to sort of a compromise, which is God, can you imagine her trying to do this with Trump? I mean, it's never going to happen. So yeah, I think it's great. Now I also read that um, the city council has decided to stop trying to cannibalize its stuff, including there's, there's five council members and the mayor is one of the council members, and he also is the police commissioner, not the chief, but the commissioner. So it's just always a giant mess. But there was one, uh, Joanne Hardesty, she like basically called him out on social media last week and said, you are such a failure, I should be commissioner. It's like, it's insane. I mean, this is how business gets done, like with a tweet, but yeah, okay, here we are, 2020. But apparently, they have now also called like a rapprochement with the governor. They're grateful to her. Everybody's grateful. It's in the article that you referenced, which was where did that, where did I tweet that from? Do you remember Jen? Well, it's on, okay. Everybody that's listening to this, my feed at Twitter is at Nancy Rom N-A-N-C-Y-R-O-M-M. And it's up there. It's like two or three tweets down um, talking about how this came about. And it was kind of slick, wasn't it? Yeah, she she kind of basically just went around Trump, first of all, and also went around DHS, which I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Um, somebody had to go tell Chad Wolf what the plan was. Because you know, you know they're not happy about it. You know DHS does not want to pull out. They want this. Well, I don't know. Uh, Jen? Okay, so the piece I published yesterday uh, in Reason about uh, the feds leaving, part of it is... um, I had uh, and still have some communication with um, someone that uh, was in the federal building. And we wargamed um, the, you know, 10 different ways we thought this would all kind of end or, or escalate, as the case may be. And he said to me yesterday, uh, after it was announced that the, um, the feds were leaving, he's like, Nancy, it's very simple. Um, we came in to do a job. Portland says they're now going to do the job. We're not needed. We're leaving. Um, I got to tell you, Jen, I, I mean, I can understand Chad Wolf. I don't know the guy like that's his job to kind of, you know, get in there and do this stuff. It was not, it literally felt like Groundhog Day. Like we're going to do this every night. We're going to do this for 50 more nights because you know, nothing stays the same. It would have to escalate. And do they, do they really want that? I don't know. I got to tell you. I think there might be some relief in the building, to tell you the truth. I know that doesn't sound too macho or anything, but I think there has to be some relief that they don't have to do this every night. I'm curious as to how this was sold to Trump, though, because there was a lot 
of posturing about the, the violent anarchist Antifas and they're burning down Portland and now you've got to somehow explain okay, we're pulling out of Portland now. <laughs> and yeah. I and I, I can I can understand how it's gonna be done. Like they're gonna be like, Well, Oregon said that they're gonna take care of it, but we'll just be right over here just in case things go wrong. But it is kind of a they blinked. Yeah, I, that's so funny that you say that because in my piece yesterday, I was like, someone's going to have to blink first. And they blinked. Well, good. Which, thankfully, I mean, I don't yeah. want things to escalate. I didn't want them there in the first place. I don't agree with the federal government sending in agents to handle things that should really either be either a city issue or a state issue. And I know it's a federal courthouse, but I still feel like the proper authorities to handle it was the city of Portland and the state of Oregon. You don't need to send in federal agents to do this. So I'm happy that they are hopefully leaving Portland and hopefully stay out of Portland because, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this new expansion of federal agents into various cities to do various things that don't have anything to do with federal property. I don't like it, but... I am definitely going to keep an eye on where, where is it now? It's, uh, it's Detroit and Cleveland and what's the another city where they've... They've sent in federal uh, forces. It's a, I, I obviously am not as familiar with these cities, but I, my impression is it's a very different sort of paradigm in terms of um, where they're, what the populace is like, what they want, uh, what their history is. I mean, I, of course, you don't want the feds going in. And then the feds say, okay, well, but if the state and the city is not going to do anything, like, what do you do? Do you, you know, I don't know the answer to that, Jen. I, I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, but I do know that the state and the, and the city was unwilling to, to, um, sort of keep things under control. Uh, I, maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe I do know, and there's absolutely no doubt that the, the violence escalated as soon as the feds got there. I was not paying attention to it, uh, before it sort of exploded. I mean, I was, but I, I can't, I don't know exactly the level of violence. I knew the level of violence was very bad on the 29th of May at Justice Center. Bennett had been dying down. Maybe the thing to do would have just been to let it all die. Actually, the thing to do would have been to let it all just die down. But, you know, Trump had a Trump. And then um, and then we got this for a month. So, yes, I'm glad they're leaving. And I hope that in other cities, um, it just doesn't it just doesn't devolve to this. I mean, Why? Why? And to answer your question, they're also going into Seattle and Chicago. Okay. And, and obviously, clearly sending in the feds into Portland did not help the situation in any way, shape, or form. No. Made things much, much worse than they were before. And yeah, they should have just left it alone, And which is why I kind of side-eye this whole little excursion into Portland, because I'm not entirely sure what it was supposed to accomplish in the first place. So I, I'm just, I, that's why I was kind of baffled that they decided to pull up stakes and leave. I'm like, okay, well then, I mean, what were you doing there in the first place? Because you certainly like the, the violent Antifa types, they're still there. Like the protests are still going to go on. Hopefully they'll die down. But like, if the thing you were going there to do was to somehow stop people from attacking the courthouse, well, that didn't happen. Hopefully maybe it'll happen now, but I don't entirely know. So... I'm just well, a little confused about the whole thing. 
I guess they're figuring they've gotten some sort of assurances from the governor uh, who's now not, you know, who's now working with the mayor in the city of Portland to say, all right, we're going to take care of our side of the street. Oh, which is going to be super popular, super popular with the populace, right? That, oh, the cops, don't worry, we're, we don't need the feds anymore because we'll have the local, you know, authorities take care of it. Oh, yeah, that's going to go over real well. Oh, and they all love Ted Wheeler so much. Yeah, what did, what did Ted Wheeler ever do to these people? Well, he he's been trying to he's been trying to have it both ways is what he's been trying to do. He's been trying to placate, you know, progressive elements, but also keep some sort of sense of order, but not by allowing the police to do things. He's he's a friend of mine who used to be in city politics there says, you know, he's actually he's not a bad guy and he's a smart guy, but he just hasn't been able to to control the situation. But, you know, Jen, talking to you, it makes me really think that. Wow, now the feds are gone. How is the city who's they're already irate at any sort of police presence and at the mayor? What's gonna happen now? Wow, to be continued. And that's something I was thinking about too, and as far as trying to figure out like a a solution for the Portland situation to get the feds out. But I'm like, okay, if you do that, then you're gonna have to bring in Portland PD and they are not exactly beloved in the city of Portland. Nope. I don't nope. know. I don't know what the Oregon State Troopers' reputation is in Oregon, but like they're still going to have a police presence no matter what. So Portland PD also isn't super good at de-escalating situations either. People might remember from previous kind of like coverage has passed. They were also tear gassing protesters too, yeah. which is yeah. part yeah. of the reason why they didn't want them there in the first place. So it's kind of like. The feds won't be there anymore, and that's cool, but is this situation going to be better than that situation? Well, we sh we can check in next week and see. Hmm. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just stop tear gassing people. Damn it. Yeah, it's it's gnarly stuff, man. Ugh. Ugh. But you're, you're, before we got on air, you asked me, yes, I am de-tear gassed. I, uh, I, I was fine by the next day, but I did get five pretty good facefuls and I can tell you that that shower when I finally got home at around three in the morning was one of the best showers ever <laughs> just getting it off my hair and face and skin it's 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 pretty gnarly stuff yeah she said it was sticky like I never really realized it was sticky well, but I guess that makes sense when you think about you know, it I and now that I said that I literally felt like I had a layer of glue on my face but then when I got home and pulled out of my bag this baggie this girl had given me of wipes. I noticed on the other side, it said these wipes contain, like it was homemade, you know, tea tree oil and blah, 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 and some other stuff. So I think it might've been the wipes. Maybe. Yeah. So what do I know? I don't have a whole lot of experience with tear gas, actually. It's my, I think it's my first time uh, getting gas. Well, I you, think. You officially now have more experience with tear gas than I do, which I don't want any experience with tear gas because it looks like it sucks. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay. Well, I think at this point, that's a pretty good spot to wrap this up. So go ahead and plug anything that you want to plug. Um, all right. Well, let's see. I did just write, um, I, I contribute to Reason Magazines. All the um, all the articles are there under my name, Nancy Rommelman at Reason.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Nancy Rom, N-A-N-C-Y-R-O-M-M. And I do have a book out, came out a year and a half ago, called To the Bridge, A True Story of Motherhood and Murder. It takes place in Portland. If you want to check that out, that'd be great. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with me, Nancy. 
Hey, Jen. Thanks a lot. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed my interview with Nancy. And if you do want to hear our previous two episodes, I'll put the link down in the show notes. Um, I wanted to talk to Nancy because I do think it's always a good idea to try to get information from somebody who's been on the ground and she went there and she did report on it. So now you have hopefully a better understanding of what is going on in Portland and hopefully what will be going on in Portland going forward. As of this recording, it's kind of up in the air. We don't really know what's going to happen when the feds leave Portland. So fingers crossed that things end well for them. So if you did make this far, thank you for listening as always. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.